Welcome to The Coaching Question. This is a podcast for people who want to know more about coaching, how to commission it, when to use it, and really what's it all about. Join Gregor Finlay and Sarah Turner, two executive coaches, for an honest conversation. In today's episode, we ask the question, maternity coaching, why should we bother? I'm Gregor Finlay and I'm an executive and team coach. And I'm Sarah Turner. I'm an executive and maternity coach. I'm really looking forward to this session because I'm going to be doing the interviewing because I know next to nothing about maternity coaching and I'm looking forward to finding out all about it and helping all of our listeners find out all about it. So maternity coaching, why should we bother, Sarah? Why, If I'm a company, why should I bother investing in maternity coaching? So maternity coaching is a specific kind of coaching that is offered to women as they prepare to go off and have a baby and then return back to the workplace. And this is a really critical pinch point in a woman's career. A study by Talking Talent showed that 45% of women cited this as a huge landmark in terms of their career development. So for organizations, if they want to retain talent and enable women to progress up through the ranks, through to more senior level roles and close the gender pay gap, it's of critical importance. I thought it was, you've said a couple of things that I think are really interesting there. The, f- the first one is actually just a, a reflection. I spoke to basically one of the sponsors, one of the HR sponsors of a client I'm working with at the moment. She's just come back from her second baby. Mm-hmm. And I said, did the organization offer you any maternity coaching? And she paused and went, um, no, they didn't. <laughs> and they didn't offer me any the first time either. And you could hear her thinking. Yeah. And there was a real tone of disappointment in, in her voice. And she was suddenly thinking, why isn't the organization doing this for me? So that was the first one. Yeah. But the other thing is, I've always thought of it as something that's put in place for people returning to work. Mm-hmm. But what you're telling me is it starts before people even leave work. Yeah, well, there's three key stages. So there's pre-leave, which is, well, pretty obviously by its title, it's about how am I preparing for going off on this period of leave where I'm effectively stepping away from the organization, having a period of time out. So how am I preparing for that? So things like who am I handing over to? Who's my maternity cover? How am I keeping in touch while I'm off? Then there's during leave, so towards the end of the women's maternity leave, having a sort of touch point then to say, how are you getting on? How are you feeling about coming back to work? What does coming back to work look like for you? Full-time, part-time, all that kind of thing. And then there's post-return. So that's really where you would focus most of your time and your attention, but actually thinking about easing them back into the workplace and making sure that's a smooth transition. I like what you're saying there, because one of the things I've noticed when I have coached people who have been away from work, but particularly for maternity, actually this, where I've experienced it more is when people have gone for an assignment in another country mm-hmm. and then they come back and what's happened is everybody's moved on, people's mm-hmm. visibility and reputation have changed. They've still got the old reputation they had mm. when they left, and people aren't really cognizant of the 
change in skills often, and thinking about the organizational context, that change and what they've learned and how they've developed. I imagine it's exactly the same thing in the maternity case. Yeah, and, and but what I would add to that is the thing that really often happens with maternity is that you can feel invisible and you can feel undervalued because you're not in the workplace. It's almost out of sight, out of mind. And as you say, so much can move on and change whilst you're off. I've got a client at the moment who's come back and all of her peers have been promoted and given line management responsibility, but she hasn't. Well, that must be so frustrating. Absolutely. The impact that has on her. Often confidence has a huge knock anyway, but to come back and you have to almost, it's a little bit as if you're starting a new role in a new organization, except that you're not because it's familiar and people know you and you've got a reputation, but you've just been a bit invisible. You've not been around. You've been isolated. Yeah. And you can just really feel that you're, you're left behind. Okay, so I wanted to dig into something there, but let's go back right to the the beginning. What are the things that are really important? If I'm listening to this and I'm pregnant or I'm HR and I've got people who are pregnant and they're going to be leaving the workplace, what are one or two things I should really be thinking about? I guess there's a couple of things that come straight to mind. The first thing that I think is really important is this isn't only something that is valuable for the first time that a woman goes off and has a baby. More often than not, I mean, the example you gave there was of a lady who has had her second child and hadn't had coaching. It can be useful at every single time. So first child, second child, third child. And actually quite often I'll have women come to me the second time around because they had such an awful experience first time. They say, I really want to get it right this time and I need to have some support as I go through that. So that's the first thing is just not to feel that it only happens with the first child. And I think the second thing in terms of what's important in that run up to going off on leave, often the most consistent theme that I'm observing is that line managers don't fully comprehend the magnitude of the transition of the change that the woman is facing. There can be a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress purely as a result of, oh my God, I've got so much work I've got to get done. I'm going off and leave in say four or six weeks time and I just don't know how I'm going to get this all done and I don't know who I'm handing over to and I don't even feel ready at home in terms of this baby that's arriving. There's a whole personal home life stuff that needs to be set up and a whole work piece that needs to be dealt with and handed over and they're left feeling like they're trying to hold all of this responsibility and that can be a huge level of stress. So really thinking about the support that the line manager needs to offer at that time. And disclosure, I mean, I'm a 55-year-old male with no kids, married but no kids. So I'm completely clueless. So I'm the line manager. Mm-hmm. Do you actually spend time working with the line manager as well as the as a pregnant mother? It's absolutely critical if you can spend time with line manager. Now, I wouldn't necessarily do coaching. What I tend to do is offer webinar sessions and top tips. So here are some things that you should be thinking about. Here are some questions to be asking. But if I can, where organizations see the value in this, I'll do a webinar. So we get as many line managers together as we can and kind of work through some of the key bumps in the road and what their role can be and how they can support their female talent as they go on this huge journey. Okay, so that's quite clear. You said something uh, when you were going through the stages about when people are away from work, how they keep in contact. And certainly people can lose their networks Mm -hmm. um, when they're doing assignments abroad. What do you do there in terms of helping people 
keep connected but not still be too involved <laughs> so they can actually do the stuff that is a priority at the time which is you know the first few months of a child's life so how do you manage that so there's a number of different things to think about there so for some women where they do have a clearly identified person who's covering their role a maternity cover then quite often that person can be a point of contact but equally, sometimes women can feel quite threatened by the fact that someone else is coming in and covering their role while they're off. Imposter syndrome kicks in. What if they're better than me? So that's not always the best solution. Women always have what's called keep in touch days. So they're allowed up to 10 keep in touch days, which are paid. So depending on the organization and the maternity leave that's on offer, they can use these. And I usually recommend them probably six months plus. Some women might take them a little bit earlier, but what they offer is an opportunity to come into the organization and maybe attend an offsite or a team meeting just to really keep in touch with what's happening. But on top of that, what I also suggest is maybe just getting a buddy in the team. So whether it's your maternity cover or the team PA or just one of your colleagues in the team to just keep you in their front of mind so that when things are happening or there's updates to drop you a note um, and agree with them how you want them to keep in touch with you. Do you want them to send you an email to your personal email? Do you want them to WhatsApp? So just have a conversation about what feels right for you but it's really important to keep in touch because otherwise you really can feel very disconnected when you're coming back into the workplace what i'm reminded about is first day at the high school because mm -hmm. you're going back and you're going into something you're unaware of i imagine well also some women are going to have some postpartum depression as well to deal mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. you're not necessarily going to be feeling that uh, great about yourself that confident mm as you go back in. So I can really, I can't fully empathize because clearly I've, I've never had any kids, but I can certainly see that there would be some real challenges there. So I'm, I'm thinking about what might a, a maternity coaching package look like, but I'm thinking about what does the frequency need to be? How much support do mothers tend to need from a coach as they come back in? So I have a, a sort of a recommended structure, but I always emphasize that this is flexible because it's not one size fits all. And I see some women who really just come back to work and they really seem to take to it really easily and don't have too many challenges to overcome. And then at the other end of the spectrum, women who really find it a big struggle. Not all women will necessarily need to take full advantage of all the sessions, but my sort of recommended structure is a six session program. So you'd have one session before you go off on leave, one session towards the end of your leave. So that's the kind of going off and coming back session. And then once you're back to have three sessions monthly. So by then you've had five sessions and then to hold the sixth one back, almost put it in your back pocket, so to speak, and to come back and revisit at around about month nine, month six to nine often can be a bit of a crunch point. So just to have that check in, how are you doing? How are things going? Is anything causing you anxiety? And so that's a six session program. But coming back to my point earlier about flexibility, some women would say, do you know what? Actually, I want to focus on having all of the time when I come back. So I'll just have one before I go and I'll have all of them once I'm back in the office. So, you know, there's got to be some flexibility in there. Do you think that clearly I, I can coach golf? I don't play golf, but I can coach golf. Do you think you need to have been through having children and coming back to work to, to really be a good maternity coach? So I think that you do. Maternity coaching is slightly different from the other kinds of coaching that you or I might do because there are some consistent themes that tend to come up. And actually having had two children myself and gone through two periods of maternity leave, I can come at this from a position of empathy. 
and of understanding and of experience. And a lot of women that I coach really value that. And that's one of the key things that they feed back. So there can be an element of mentoring that comes into maternity coaching just purely because of the, the subject matter and the situation that they find themselves in. It's probably what the one area of coaching that is just really valuable to have had that experience. It's actually adding to it rather than detracting, you know, because mm-hmm. my background is in sales. So when I'm coaching a sales manager or sales director, I have to get rid of the interference, the little voices saying, I know exactly what you should do here. Mm. But actually, it's probably the one area of coaching that the experience really matters. And I think experience matters because for me, it's more about the empathy and the emotion and the feeling. So I never sit there. We wouldn't ever do this in coaching anyway. Have that. This is what I think you should do here. But I always describe it as women are on a spectrum. At one end, you'll have the stay-at-home mum, and at the other end, you'll have the full-time working mum who employs a nanny to run the house while she's not there. But there's a number of shades of grey in between, and women will need to find their own place on that spectrum. And what is right for one won't be right for another. So I can't really sit there and say, this is what I think you should do. But what I do offer, and I've had this a number of times, is when I've got a woman sitting in front of me who is grappling with adjusting to, I mean, this is a fundamental change to who they are, their identity and the way their lives work. When I'm faced with a woman who is visibly grappling with the emotion and the guilt of needing to leave her baby at home or with a nanny or wherever she's leaving that child to come into work and for whatever reason is finding that really hard work, really challenging, I completely identify with that and I'm on a level with them emotionally and I think that really helps build that trust and that connection which is really important in this kind of work. Yeah, I, I remember you you telling me about the fact that like people can, before they leave, they think, oh, no, it's not going to make any difference to me. I'm going to take six months off. I'm going to come back and nothing's going to have changed. I'll get along. I've got the childcare. But they're thinking it's not going to change. But there's this thing about, actually, my whole life has changed. My whole value says. And some people are thinking, I'm really not sure if I should go back. Yeah, absolutely. And some just don't have the choice. They just don't. They need to contribute financially. And the difficulty is, I mean, particularly in London, nursery fees can be astronomical, can be £2,000 a month. People need to be earning a sizable income to be able to afford to even go back to work. Yeah, it's not a difficulty I've had to struggle with. I was thinking back to, you know, the last podcast, like clearly one of the favorite questions around transitions was, what do you need to let go of? Mm. Do, do you have any particularly useful questions for maternity coaching? One of the questions I tend to ask as a woman is coming back into the workplace, so particularly that month one, month two, is to encourage her to think about what her priorities might be in any given working week as a professional and what her priorities might be in any given working week as a mum because you've got these two identities and I know we've talked about identities in a previous podcast but essentially before I have my first child I've become very familiar with who I am professionally so that's going to be shaped by my education by my work experience by my title 
by the relationships I have with my colleagues, with my clients. So I'm very clear about who I am, what drives me, what my career means to me. And then suddenly I have a baby. And the way I talk about this, it's a little bit as if the rug's been pulled out from under your feet. You find yourself thrown up into the air in this whole new world, which is exciting, exhilarating, but also overwhelming because suddenly you find yourself needing to look after this human being and keep it alive. And that's a huge responsibility. But you find your way through it, you start to make sense of it, and you work out what this means for you. And then you need to come back to the workplace, and you've got to rediscover that professional part of you that was so familiar before, but now you've got this new part of you, which is this sort of maternal, motherly part of you. And how do you bring those two together? How do you marry those two together in a way that, that works for you? And I said this to a client yesterday, I said, there is no perfect solution there will always be an element of compromise. But the important thing is to find what is the right compromise to make for you. I just realized that in the last episode, we talked about transitions in the leadership pipeline and time structuring, like values and and skills. And actually, all three things are really important here because there's a shift in values. There's definitely a shift in time structure and there will be a a shift in skills as as well, but it's probably the the less important of the three. It is around being able to balance things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think values is a huge part of that. And again, when you're thinking about your identity and how you bring those two parts of your identity together, then values is a huge piece of work that we normally would work through. So in addition to those questions about priorities, I'd really spend time with a woman helping her to articulate what is most important to her at this point in her life. Because what can sometimes feel really hugely overwhelming because you've got this tiny baby who's extremely demanding, plus you've got your career, which is also so important to you. And it, you can feel a little bit like I'm in this dark tunnel and I just, when is this going to end? When, is, when does this become easier? And actually just stepping back and seeing it in a timeline. So I often get women to think about, well, look at the next five years. In five years time, your baby's going to school. That's going to free you up in terms of what that baby, what that child needs from you. Look again, another five years and that child's 10. Look again, that child's 15. And you start to see that this isn't forever. This is just for now. And that's where the maternity coaching can be so powerful in helping them get that perspective. I'm just thinking that you must actually have some nightmare stories. What I mean is stories of nightmares, particularly I'm thinking about the managers of retiring mothers. I'm personally curious if you've got any uh, stories in that area, but really I suppose the important thing is what advice would you be giving to it's the first, I'm a manager and it's the first time I've got someone going off maternity, first time they're coming back from maternity. What should I be thinking of as a line manager? Okay, so I do have quite a few thoughts on that actually. So I think as I've talked about in the run up to going off on maternity leave, then your employee is likely to be feeling very anxious about what lies ahead, both in terms of her workload and what she wants to get done before she goes on leave, but also that personal point of view, such as really feeling prepared for the birth of her baby. So maybe just asking a question along the lines of what does support look like from me in these last few weeks before your maternity leave starts? Mm. That enables you know, the conversation to be opened up and for the woman to be able to just share a little bit about how she's feeling. As we've already talked about, I think that agreeing in advance how to keep in touch whilst she's off so that she doesn't feel invisible, so that she feels still in touch and kept connected with her workplace and with with her career. 
And then when she comes back, and these are really simple, small things, but just to show her how valued she is and how much she's been missed, you know, really welcome her on her first day back. Flowers or a team lunch go a long way to ensuring a positive return. And then to be really open to offering her some flexibility just as she adapts to juggling her responsibilities. So some women will use the holiday they've accrued whilst they're on maternity leave to perhaps do a four-day week for the first month or two, but being paid Mm full-time. So just taking one day's holiday each week. Some women will want to work from home. Some might actually want to come back part-time. And I mean, you talked about time management there. I mean, I often talk about how your days become bookended when you have a baby because suddenly you're constrained in a way that you've never been constrained before by some kind of drop-off or pickup. So whereas before you might have been able to stay in the office until eight o'clock finishing a paper, that's no no longer an option because one of you needs to get home to pick up the baby and then you're doing bath and you're doing bed. So having some flexibility that if she needs to leave at five, that trusting that if she's got work to do, she might then log on again at nine to finish something off. But giving her that flexibility will help her feel that she's seen, that she's valued, and that she feels supported by her organisation. I mean, you talked earlier about dips in confidence, and it's such an issue for women coming back after maternity leave. And so anything that you can do to really engage her, help her fit back in quickly and easily, make sure she's got some meaningful work that she can engage in so that she feels that she's adding value right from the start. So apart from confidence in self, what else does a returning mother have to have confidence in? It can really be some quite simple things. So quite often when a woman first comes back to work, in those first few days and weeks, she can feel that she's just failing at everything. So she's trying her best at home and adjusting to no longer being with her baby 24-7, which in some ways is a blessed relief, (laughs) but in others is a huge wrench emotionally. So she's grappling with letting go a little bit of that. Then she's faced with being back at work and something as simple as putting on a suit and putting on some makeup is can feel great, but then you get yourself back into the workplace. And I've had women who have literally needed to go to the toilet and be in the toilet having a, a mini panic attack, freaking out because they've got to go and have a meeting with someone and they just feel like they've completely forgotten how to do that because they've had six, nine, 12 months at home not doing anything remotely like that, where they've been focused on feeding and nappies and sleep routines and pureeing and baby signing and all of those different things. It's such a different world they find themselves in. To suddenly be thrown back into that professional environment, it takes a while to just find your feet again. So all of those things will lead to a general dip in confidence. Hearing the passion in your voice about what a difference you can make it seems like it's really worthwhile work to do. And I have to admit, I'm feeling slightly jealous because it's not the sort, I can't do this work. It sounds like it's incredibly rewarding from a coaching perspective. It is. I really do feel strongly about this because I believe in enabling women to be able to be both a mum and have a career and to be able to find a way to do that that works for them. I honestly do believe that there is no right way. You've got to find your own way. And I think having gone through it myself and first time round, it was pretty easy, I have to say, coming back to work for me. But second time round, it was the absolute opposite. So I've, I've been there and I've come out the other side and 
I have to say, it changes. The timeline I mentioned earlier is a really real and useful way of thinking about things because as my children grow older, their needs change, my needs change. So it's constantly adjusting. So I do, I feel really passionately about supporting women as they go through this journey. Thank you, Sarah. I think you've given us a great insight into maternity coaching. Is there any top tips you have before we wrap up? I think the top tips I would give is... I wonder whether HR people listening might think, but it's expensive, isn't it? Coaching isn't cheap. And I might have, say, 50 women or 100 women, depending on the size of the business, going off on maternity leave each year. I don't have the kind of budget that means I can pay for all of them to have maternity coaching. And so my tip, if I can call it that, is not to let that get in the way because I think the return on investment is so huge that it shouldn't get in the way. And what I would add to that is not all women necessarily want coaching or need coaching. And so actually looking at different ways in which you can provide that support. So I've got an online program that I offer, which is less expensive. So there are different ways of looking at this. So don't let cost get in the way, I suppose, is my final message that I want to finish with. Great. To everybody listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to the show. We appreciate any feedback and we're keen to respond to any questions that are out there about using and implementing coaching in organisations. So please email us on info at thecoachingquestion.com and please do give us a rating on iTunes or your preferred podcasting or video platform it really helps us spread the word to a wider audience thank you very much and bye-bye see you next time